if you ever had discovered the cure to cancer and you kept that to yourself, like you would be a monster. Now it's a, it's an analogy, but the idea is like we have even greater news. We have the cure to spiritual cancer. And so often we keep it quiet because we're, I don't think we're afraid of offending others. I think we're afraid of looking like an idiot. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike Gormley, and today I'm joined, as always, with Dave, the big and the bold Van Vickle. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm good. I'm good. I, I didn't mind that name. We can stick with that one. No, you like the big and the bold? <laughs> the big and the bold. The big, certainly. <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. Uh you know, isn't this awesome that we get to talk every week? Like, I, I, I'm, like, so thankful that Ascension Press is in, investing in evangelization. You oh, know? yeah. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And uh, I'm really, uh, really impressed that as an organization they got behind this, you know, because it's it's just so important for people to hear this. We, uh, as always, every week we get feedback uh, from listeners and questions from listeners, and that's what we want. We want to create this community, so please continue to send us that feedback. This week... Uh, is uh, uh, kind of an interesting question that I, at first, as soon as I read it, I was like, I'm going to leave this one to Gomer because I don't really want to answer it. But um, so Gomer, here's what I got. Uh, a woman emailed me and she's in a real complicated situation. Her husband practices Islam. He's, he believes in uh, Allah. He, right, he follows the, the religion of Islam and was very okay with her Christianity, but now with children in the picture, he, you know, he's gotten a little bit more intense about his religion and how he wants to raise the children. And she wants to evangelize him, right? She wants him to know Jesus Christ and uh, the power of the word. And she has questions. You know, she just wants to know, like, do we have any comments on that? Yeah. So part of my own personal journey spiritually was as hardcore attempted to atheism. But as I wrestled and struggled with who God is and that kind of um you know, I struggled with St. Thomas's five ways and the moral argument for God's existence from C.S. Lewis. But one of the big things was the temptation to Islam, actually, for me. And um, to become a Muslim was very appealing to me because it was just like Christianity, but everything was simpler. So instead of a trinity, there was just Allah. Instead of Jesus being fully God and fully man and uh, the incarnation and all that, it was just a prophet who was anointed. Right. And um, so you have all of these things that uh, that were appealing because they were simplified and, and easier to understand. And it really drew me. I mean, I've read uh, most of the Quran. Um, now, I say that it was appealing. I did not convert or anything like that. But I have uh, in my church, um, we have to hide the names, but we've had several people who've converted from Islam. One from uh, Nigeria, Africa, who lives here under an assumed name so his family members won't kill him uh, because he became Catholic. Um, and we've had someone who converted from Southern Baptist to Islam and then from Islam to, to Catholicism. So uh, the, I do have some experience. And I would just say this. The thing that pulled me out of Islam in particular outside of like kind of deep historical study into the prophet Muhammad is uh, is this notion of the Trinity and what does it mean to be God? Because I find that a non-Trinitarian theology is not substantial enough. And what do I mean by that? Well, and, and I'll just keep it nice and simple. The idea that if we say God is just or God is love, when we talk about Allah being all the sum total of all good things here, right? So if, if we are just and that's good, 
it is infinitely perfect in God. But there are those qualities of human life that are only good because of an interaction between another. Okay. And so take love, for instance. I can't love someone without an object, right? If I say, I love no one, I love nothing, I don't love, right? There has to be an object for my love. And we realize that when you have a a metaphysics of God where he's all alone and you realize God cannot be love. If love is good, it should be found in God, but God cannot be love if God is alone because that implies an incompleteness within the divine nature. And so um, when I was struggling with this stuff, I realized that the Trinity was an intellectual way out of Islam for me because it was very clearly God in his innermost mystery. There's one God, but in his innermost mystery, he's not alone. So all of those virtues and beautiful gifts that can only be expressed and manifest within community already exists infinitely and perfectly in God. So that's why as Christians we can say something like, God is just because there's an object eternally towards which he is just, and God is love. There is an object eternally towards which God is loves namely the father eternally loves the son and the son returns that gift and the holy spirit is the bond between father and son of love and so that was the big thing honestly like it it might sound a little philosophical but that was the really big thing why do we believe in the trinity why do uh you know why do we believe these things and then oh my goodness uh when you really begin to study it the resurrection uh, was the final kind of nail in the coffin. That's a weird way to put it. But the resurrection was the final thing that drove home Christianity above all. If Jesus rose from the dead, then he is God, and I really need to follow him. He's not just a prophet. Yeah, and as uh, as always, as we're talking about evangelizing family members, um, you know, being a saint is going to help you. <laughs> if he can see the change it's made in your life and how, uh, you know, Christ adorns us with holiness uh, because of that relationship, it's going to go a long way. And to continue the intercessory prayer, one of the things that Gomer said that I really want to express, and I I didn't even think about it until it popped into my head, but we should talk about this on the show, is he mentioned some of the people who have come to the faith through Islam, uh, from Islam, uh, that he can't say their name because of protecting them. So this is like an important thing. If you're evangelizing, you have to be careful about the personal things about the people that you're evangelizing, that you're not just sharing them with, with everyone. You know, we share a lot of stories here, but we're very careful about what stories we share and the names we use and and if people are comfortable with that because that is the quickest way to turn someone into a project in their eyes, right? If if you're talking about them uh, to a group to use them as an example for evangelization, that that can really derail uh, your progress with those people. So be careful about you know how much we're talking about here when we're getting into these relationships where we're trying to bring people to Jesus because it it is a very personal thing. Absolutely, absolutely. I remember uh, I was I have another show, a podcast called Catching Foxes, and. Uh, I was sharing some stories and I used a person's real name and they called and was like, you need to change that right now. Like it's a true story and I'm happy you shared it. But then I was like, Oh my goodness. So I went in and edited it. It took me two minutes to do it. But uh, yeah, that was back in the day when we were a tiny podcast 
And now we're America's <laughs> no, no. It's with the other host, guys. Don't listen to the it. other host. <laughs> the other host, which is what he calls you. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. So today we're talking about boldness in evangelization, and this is exciting. This is an awesome topic because this is kind of where we could learn techniques. You can learn all kinds of knowledge about evangelization, all kinds of books, and everything like that. But boldness is where the heart is. That we have to have the guts the the courage the virtue to go out and to proclaim Jesus Christ boldly and what i would say to you brothers and sisters in the world is this put your faith in Christ alone and in his gospel and you will have boldness and and, and that sounds like the most obvious statement of all time but the truth is the times that i feel fear when i'm evangelizing it's because I'm preaching the gospel of Dave Van Bickle yep. and not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when we go out and we actually try to die to ourselves and let Christ be communicated clearly through our through our words and through our lives, we have nothing to fear at all. God always honors his promises and there is power in the word of God. So preach Jesus and him crucified and you have nothing to fear at all. We're talking about Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to read just a quick verse here. For truly in this city, this is 427, for truly in this city they were gathered together against thy holy servant Jesus, whom thou didst anoint both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever thy hand and thy plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to thy servants to speak thy word with all boldness, while thou stretchest out thy hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of the holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. This comes right after Peter and John are arrested because they're preaching the word in the temple, and they uh, are shaken up and they are with the people who need to spread the gospel, take the gospel to all the ends of the earth. So they pray for boldness. I think in this climate where people are so hostile to uh, Christian values, people are so hostile to the Catholic church because of different things in the news, people are hostile to just really any idea of changing their life. We can kind of feel like we are in that upper room afraid to go out and it's our job every day to pray for boldness and then to step out of that room and get out there and share Jesus and him crucified. Yeah, St. Paul says this, and I love this line. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, you got to love that humility, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose which he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confidence of access through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. The beautiful thing about that from Ephesians 3 St. Paul is illustrating that you cannot separate the call to be a minister of the gospel, which every Catholic has by virtue of your baptism and confirmation, that this call to go out into the world 
and to make known the way of Christ. I love the way he says it, right? To make all men see what is the plan hidden for ages in God. And it's like the church is the one who's going to manifest God's wisdom to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So St. Paul is saying that Jesus is revealing divine realities to the angels through the mediation of the church, through us, through us. We are searching the mystery of, of God in Christ Jesus that angels long to look at. And yet we take our faith so lightly. I, I remind people all the time, the reason why we mortal sin is because we don't know what we're losing by grace, right? So many Catholics don't understand what being in a state of grace is. And so as we go out and proclaim the gospel, I always, you know, there, there's a lot of really helpful analogies, I think, about boldness and whatnot. But the idea, uh, I heard one man say, if you ever had discovered the cure to cancer and you kept that to yourself, like you would be a monster, Right? You would be a monster. Now, it's, a, it's an analogy, it, it, but the idea is, like, we have even greater news. We have the cure to spiritual cancer. We have the cure to, uh, to a lack of peace and consolation in people's hearts. We have the cure to sin, which is the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. And so often we keep it quiet because we're – I don't think we're afraid of offending others. I think we're afraid of looking like an idiot. Absolutely. You know, someone starts to argue with us. Because I don't think any of us in America today, there are some people, but we're not really there to be like hyper triumphalistic and, oh, I just, you know, people, yeah, we all have totally, that hippie totally. in us, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to, you know, impose my views on you. That's a very American thing. But the idea is we're not imposing, we're proposing. And you're right not to want to impose your views on other people. But at the same time, like, it's okay. It's okay for you to go out and to proclaim the gospel. One of the beautiful things about that passage that David read was um, in Acts 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men, and they wondered. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's verse 13. So when you think about that, they're uneducated common men. They're not the elite. You don't have to be the elite to claim Christ no, with boldness. No, no. The boldness, though, comes not in self-confidence, but in your confidence, and the word confidence had the word fide, meaning faith, your faith in Christ. Let him be the one that gives you confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, what you have to understand, I, I realized for a long time when I would do evangelization trainings, you know, I would tell people a lot of stories to try and inspire them to, to say, like, look, you know, this works, right? God is true to his promises. Get out there and say and, and preach the gospel, and God shows up. And what I realized is that, people started to ask this question over and over again. So I, I, I usually tell this one crazy story about when I was young and I had a dream about a guy and I woke up from that dream and I, I literally went and found this guy and wow. talked to him about the gospel. It's just this crazy, insane we story. We all want to hear it now. Well, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't advance <laughs> the point. So, But the point, is, the point is this. People would always say, they would always say this. Did you ever go to find someone or did you ever feel like you were supposed to talk to a certain person and it, and it was wrong? You were wrong. And you felt like an idiot. The answer is 100% yes. There are many, many times that both Gomer and I could tell you where we tried to evangelize and it it just it didn't work out the way it was. So boldness doesn't have to do necessarily with success, okay? And, and what we define as success. Right. It has to do with the fact that we're willing to step out and to go out and proclaim and not ever be afraid. Fear should not be the reason we don't proclaim, right? It could be could be caution it could be discernment but fear should never be the reason we don't proclaim 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 
And it's so easy to be afraid and intimidated, right? Like if you were on a on a subway in New York and Bill Maher gets on, right. your temptation is, I'm not going to say anything, even though he's an apostate Catholic who attacks religion every chance he gets. Uh, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna feel confident going up to him. But here's the deal: God's grace can work in powerful ways. Uh, one of my favorite atheists is uh, Penn Gillette from Penn and Teller. Yeah, he's awesome. He is uh, he's a very interesting dude. But he talks about how one of his favorite things is when Christians come up to convert him who are fans of his uh, magician act. Yeah, he says he he had a guy come up to him and give him the New Testament, and he said, "Hey, you know, I just thought you want to read it. I know that you're an atheist. I'm not trying to be rude." And he says to him, he has this great line where he's like, I would be offended if you didn't try to convert me because you believe, one, that this is true, two, that I'm wrong, and three, that this can help my life. Why wouldn't you share that? Right. And I was like, holy moly, an atheist is schooling Catholics, right? Right. So do you believe it's true? Do you believe it's good news, right? And do you believe it can help someone? And the reality is, uh, I do think Christianity in America might have some baggage attached to it that um, there are people who, not because of the message, but sometimes because of the messenger, that they reject the gospel. And so what we need to do, what we need to do is be courageous, right? But we also need to be bold towards ourselves and our own spiritual life, right? And, and we say this all the time. Yeah, I think I think honestly, I, I'm going to go back to the quote that I always steal from Jim Beckman. And that is, I think oftentimes boldness is this, like, we don't have to have much training. Like, you can go out right now and tell people what Jesus has done in your life. Uh, the training is done in your heart, right? That, that God is prepared. And if God has changed you, that's all you need to go out. Just step out of the boat and don't worry about the mistakes you make and don't worry about the problems, right? God is going to show up. You know, and and we're going to continue to preach that gospel. Uh, there is not a saint who doesn't have a story of a failure in evangelization. There isn't. This is what happens to all of us. And so uh, that quote from Jim Beckman is that uh, you know discipleship depends often on premature deployment. Premature deployment. I love that because it is true that you know in a certain sense you got to just get out there and boldly proclaim the gospel. I think. Uh, another thing for a lot of people is, um, you know, p- part of the new evangelization, you know, one of one of the, the primary docu- documents of the new evangelization is the gospel of life. And that is not a popular thing right now. Okay, right. I mean, the world is, at least po- politically, the world is trying to, you know, fight back big time. And people are afraid uh, to go out and to stand against it. And I think a lot of people, even now, like you, you have these movements like 40 Days for Life or uh, sidewalk counseling and people say, oh, you know, I, I don't want to get involved in that. that I mean, I don't want to get too involved in people's lives. This is the classic example of what it means. It's the opposite of boldness, right? That we we are required to preach the gospel of life, even if it's just through prayerful witness, um, and to boldly go out and say, hey, there there is nothing wrong with me being here and saying this is wrong what's happening. Absolutely. And the beautiful thing is that the Lord Jesus Christ can use even hot button political issues like abortion and euthanasia to bring the gospel to bear. And I mean, I'll never forget talking with this one person who was opening their heart to Catholicism because of the church's moral teaching. So uh, you'll hear some things like you hear some things like um, when when you give advice for evangelization, you know, start with the kerygma 
um, and then get to the moral issues later. Like Bishop Barron will talk about that, and there is a lot of truth to that because you want them to understand who Christ is and why Christ entered the world before you get people to you know give their lives to Christ and follow after him. If you lead with the following and not with what he accomplished for you, then you're kind of getting it backwards. But, but here's the beautiful thing, right? The Christian life is a coherent life. And when you start talking about the ethics of life and love, what ends up happening is they can see the consistency behind it and embrace it. Like, see, there, there are many different access points. So what I try to do is I try to give everyone the kerygma, even when I'm talking about morality. So, for instance, um, I did a talk last night on sexual ethics, right? So it was uh, we're doing this morality class kind of in light of the scandal. We wanted to have a systematic morality class. Someone else is teaching it, but I'm filling in because he had just had a baby. And uh, so it was on human sexuality, um, equal and complementary. That was the subtitle. And part of that, of, of, of understanding that and unpacking that, was teaching why does the church say what she says about sex and marriage and homosexual relationships and all that stuff. And when you begin to unpack it, you see a beautiful symmetry that runs through it. But even when I'm doing that, what do I do? I immediately turn it to Christ on the cross. And so if you listen to me giving a talk on, like last week was on the human person, who fully reveals God to humanity? Jesus. Who fully reveals man to himself? Jesus. So I go back to the cross. So it's not that even though we're talking about moral issues like the gospel of life, Evangelium Vitae, even when we're talking about these life issues, we can do it in a way that makes room for the kerygma. Yeah. Uh, so let's give them some some tips for evangelizing with boldness, because certainly there are people who instead of bold, they become the bull, right? That they're, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can you, you can be a little bit like that, right? I remember there's a famous uh, pro-lifer. I, I can't even remember his name, but um, he, uh, he before he converted to Catholicism, it was so funny. He said that he came to, to visit Steubenville one time and he said, can you show me where Scott Hahn's house is? I'm, I want to return all the books that people have given to me. I've thrown <laughs> on, my, on my doorstep. <clears throat> we can become a little bit pushy with stuff, you know? And uh, I mean, it turned out it worked. He came into the church, but uh, I'm sure it was more through relationships. But there, you can, you can be a bull. What we want to do is teach you to be bold, how to be bold in evangelization. So here's some rules. Number one, uh, make sure that your evangelization comes from a daily consistent prayer life. Make sure that your evangelization comes from a daily consistent prayer life. Number two, uh, ask the Lord for discernment. You need to pray for discernment every day and start to really try and rely on the Holy Spirit informing not just your daily life, but your evangelization, informing that. So we're starting to really rely on the, the promptings of the Holy Spirit so that we're making sure we're not stepping in front of the Holy Spirit. We're following the, the path of the Holy Spirit. Number three, I, this, these are my three, and then we'll see what Gomer has to say. Continually bathe yourself in the gospel message so that you are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and not the gospel of yourself or the gospel of Dave Van Bickle or the gospel of Michael Gormley or the gospel of Bishop Barron or the gospel of any of these Catholic personalities, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ first. And, and the reason I say that is not because Gomer's not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and you can't emulate him. Of course he is. Not that Bishop Barron isn't. But your job as a Catholic is to discern the word, uh, the, to 
bathe in the word and to discern how God is calling you to contribute to the building of the kingdom in your own special way. So make sure you are daily in just enveloped in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and when we're talking about boldness, we're talking about what we call a holy boldness. One of my favorite writers is St. Francis de Sales. And in his book, Introduction to Devout Life, he lays out two principles when we pray. He said, you know, the first thing we do is we put ourselves in God's presence. And then how do we respond? These are the two principles. He says, utter humility, because I'm a creature in the presence of the creator, and I'm a sinner in debt to my God. And he said, and out of that humility, you should realize you don't belong in his presence. He says, but, and here comes the second principle, God has called you in Christ Jesus to be in his presence, right? That goes back to that Ephesians 3 reading. God's called you to be in his presence, so principle number two is, so be in his presence with boldness, because God has invited you to be bold, okay? So I want to talk about boldness as it relates to us in our parish life. Number one, you have to be bold in how you your parish is constructed to welcome non-believers or the skeptical or the seeking. Do you look at your adult faith formation curriculum? Is the only thing you offer RCIA, then you're doing it wrong. If the only thing you offer is a Bible study for those who belong, then you're doing it wrong. You have unbelievers sitting in your pews. You need to be able, as a parish, to say, I am going to stop investing in people who already get it, in, in terms of keeping them nice and comfortable, and I'm going to start investing in people who aren't even there. That's bold because you know what's going to happen? The people who are the, who are the faithful daily mass goers are going to start complaining that you're not focusing on them. Well, we used to have a classroom. You took that away, and you did this and that. You know what? It's okay. It takes boldness to do that because we have to have a burden on our heart for those who are far from God. And the people that are far from God might be sitting in the pews on any given Sunday. Uh, priests, when you preach, you have to preach with a holy boldness, not the bully pulpit. Some people, uh, I heard this one Protestant minister call it um, pulpit cowardness. He says, like, the only time we're ever brave is when we're standing in a pulpit where no one can respond to us. Right. And he calls that pulpit cowardness. And as a Protestant preacher, obviously, I don't have that in terms, you know, maybe as a teacher, like when you're teaching, you know, you can get off on a rant or giving a talk. But to priests and deacons and bishops who are preaching the gospel, don't be afraid to be bold. In fact, the most powerful homilies are the homilies that challenge us. Not make you feel guilty, right? but challenge you, right? There is a difference between that. So if you work at a parish or you're the priest over a parish or whatever, ha carve out intentional spaces for people to come with their questions, their objections, their doubts, fears, and worries. And also from the pulpit, don't be afraid to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and make demands of your people. They want to leave not thinking they just suckled from a bottle of milk, right? St. Paul, or the author of the letter of Hebrews, whoever that may be. <laughs> you're so ridiculous. He said, uh, he said very clearly, right? He's like, you're drinking milk. You should be on. To, you should be mature and, and eating solid food, but I, I'm still giving you milk. We're grown men and women sucking from a bottle, and we need to stop doing that, right? So this is the part of the boldness on behalf of a parish that I would love to see happen today. Brothers and sisters, one of the things uh, we want to do with this podcast is point you in the direction of good resources. I, I have a passion for uh, like team building. That's like an obsession of mine that I love. Really? I, High ropes or low ropes? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, the, 
like I have an obsession with like seeing who is is taking part in the conversation about evangelization and and theology and seeing who's you know out in the front and kind of really starting to produce good fruit and I love bringing those people together. In fact, a few years ago, I I planned this entire weekend with like 20 to well this is 26 people of like what I felt like were like the most you know, some of the most forward thinking evangelists in the country. And we came together for a weekend and it was crazy. Gomer was there and everything, but I have this obsession with getting people together who, you know, are doing things in evangelization. And so we want to point you, you know, to the leaders and to the resources that uh, can really fill your life. And one of the things I wanted to highlight today is a blog. That's really blessing me. Actually it's a ministry, but he has a blog uh, that's really blessing me. And it's, um, it's, you might have heard of Marcel Lejeune has been around in Catholic evangelization for a long time, longer than Gomer and I, and uh, has been doing great things for a long time. And he has a website and a a ministry called Catholic Missionary Disciples. It's found at catholicmissionarydisciples.com. And he has a blog there. And honestly, this blog is like getting a master's degree in evangelization. It's so good because he understands practical evangelization in the church today, and it's it's just really excellent. I I, I read it all the time. I, I I've only had the chance to be with Marcel a few times in my life, but this blog. I, I mean, you can just tell he's a master evangelist, and and he understands all the nuances we need to understand. So, CatholicMissionaryDisciples.com is a great place to kind of fill. You know, you're spending thirty minutes listening to our podcasts. Here's another thing you can add into your day. So that's just a great resource. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, as always, when we come back from our break, we're going to do our take fives. But our take fives often involve additional resources. I just was reached out, uh, a priest reached out to me, a buddy of, of ours that we went to school with, Father David Hust. Hey, Father David. And he was like, he was like, you need to get all the take fives. The voice of an angel. Voice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He said, you need to get all the take fives and put them together in a single document so we can all start to work through this stuff. And I 100% agree. So we started building that um uh, right now and so we're gonna have yeah you can go to every episode and see the take fives because the show notes that uh the fine folks at ascension press put on um they they do a really good job with that and they have a recommended resources thing but seriously like go through read and reread and have that evangelization journal and really plow through this stuff i mean if we say we love the church but all we are is critical of the hierarchy and angry at the culture we're not going to convert anyone our goal is to set ourselves on fire because people will come just to watch the blaze, right? Maybe maybe we should uh, come up with a every knee shall bow practical takeaway journal. Ooh, uh, I better I I, I got to call someone that works for a press in order to get that made. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, email cool. us at essentialpress.com. We'll be right back after the break. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe.
All right, we're back after the break, and we are going to dive into everyone's favorite, the thing that breaks our brains, <laughs> trying to come up with these, our take fives, our take fives. Now, uh, when I signed us off of the break, I said email us at Ascension Press. Well, you don't just email at Ascension Press. It's E-K-S-B, every knee shall bow, at ascensionpress.com, and we will be happy to include your questions and comments in our shows, um, especially if they're relevant to the topic at hand. We have been getting a lot of emails, and we just love the steady stream of content um, because we want your feedback. So that's, again, you can email us at everyneesshallbow at ascensionpress.com or eksb at ascensionpress.com. So let's do our five practical takeaways. Uh, this week is going to stretch you guys, okay? And uh, um, it, it has it, to with it, the it title even, like boldness. Yeah, right. It <laughs> even stretches me. I mean, even even I, I, you know, I always tell people people think I'm extreme like uh, extrovert, but I am not. Okay, I I am extremely introverted. So you know, to to go out and to evangelize is a, a moment of trepidation for me. So just bear with us this week. Bear with us. Okay, number one. We're going to do this, okay? Just like the the disciples did in this verse that we're talking about, we want you to just pray for boldness, okay? Pray for boldness. Pray that God would allow you to feel that boldness, that zeal to go out, to step out, to, uh, you know, not just darken your own door, but to go out into the world and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether that means street evangelization, whether it means at work, whether it means in your family, whatever, that you would have boldness to go out. So just pray for boldness. The church in the apostolic age and the church of the fathers grew 40% every decade, year, uh, decade over decade. That's huge. And we're hemorrhaging people. You know why? Because when they faced persecution, they didn't pray for protection. They didn't pray for extending religious liberty and all that stuff. You know what they did? They prayed for boldness. So I want to give you a story to read, to pray through slowly. Acts chapter 4. Uh, the one that we kind of led off today's talk with. Read through that, pray through that, take it nice and slow, pull out your prayer journal and write down any verses or passages that stood out to you and how you can apply them in your own life. I mean, this is one of the chapters that has a charismatic proclamation in it. This is one of the things where you see the whole church receiving Peter and John and being persecuted, the whole church prays for boldness together. Maybe you should do that as a parish too. That'd be awesome. Boldness. Uh, okay, now, uh, yeah. number three, we, we prayed for boldness before. Okay, that's our prayer for boldness. We're going to continue that each day. Now I want you to add this prayer, and you might have already done it because I think we had this as one of the practical takeaways before, but a prayer that God would set up a divine appointment for you this week, that someone would approach you or you might encounter a problem in someone's life or you might encounter somebody, uh, and that that divine appointment would be set up that you could share the gospel with them, Okay. Just a prayer for a divine appointment. My prayer sounds like this. Lord, please set up a divine appointment for me today. If you send someone to me and you make it obvious, I promise, I will tell them what you have done in my life and how you've changed me. Uh, and amen. That's it. As simple as that. And God often answers that prayer. Amen. Amen. Uh, I got a tip last night after I taught my Catholic morality class. I was going downstairs and a parishioner friend of mine, good old Art, stopped me and we were talking uh, as one does with art for a long time and he told me something that I thought was a great practical tip he says when he gets on airplanes uh, he always has these conversations art is the most easy man in the world to talk to but he brings books with him and he has books that he brings three books every time he gets on a plane 
to hand to him. Sometimes it'll be about marriage because he's a part of our marriage apostolate. Sometimes it's about the gospel. Sometimes it's about both. Our deacon has one. Um, deacon Tom Vignair has a book you can get on Amazon on um, Deacon Tom Vignair. And uh, the whole goal of that book is to weave the Christian gospel with marriage, having a good marriage. And he brings three of them, and they're really short books, and he just hands them to people, right? So maybe think about a book that you could have just to give away. Um, there's a famous book called More Than a Carpenter. It was, it's just explaining the divinity and arguing for the divinity of Jesus. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that that you could have. You don't necessarily always have to carry it with you, but start to look for a book that fits that. I mean, I've given away probably 20 copies of Mere Christianity to people, um, uh, Frank Sheets to Know Christ Jesus, What Difference Does Jesus Make? Like a lot of really good books out there. So start thinking about and buy maybe uh, a few books to just to give away. And finally, okay, don't hate me. Don't hate me. This is important. We have to actually do this. We prayed for a divine appointment, and we're going to watch for that divine appointment. And it, it might be very obvious and hit us in the face. But sometime this week, regardless of whether we feel like we had that divine appointment or not, I want you to share some some form of the gospel, some form of, of evangelization with a stranger. Okay. Now it could be when you give that book out, but you got to talk to them. And it could be that somebody that you see on the way to work or on the bus or something like that, that you just walk up to them and say, Hey, I, I just want to let you know, you know, I'm a Christian and Jesus has changed my life and I'm, I'm going to be praying for you and, 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 and ask them about their life, but do something where you're stepping out of the boat here, ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the boat, walking onto the water and having faith, right, and proclaiming with boldness because, uh, again, redefine what your vision of success will be because you don't necessarily know if something amazing is going to happen, if you're going to have this amazing life-changing conversation, but we know that we we must proclaim the gospel with boldness and we have to get rid of this culture of silence. So this week, listen, I understand it's hard. I, I approach things like this with fear and trepidation myself. If, try to evangelize a stranger. Try to bring the gospel to someone you've never, ever met before. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So those have been our take fives for being bold in evangelization. We encourage you to share this podcast with other people, especially people at your parish, so you can do this in community. I am all about community. I have a thing called Radical Communities from Ascension Press. I believe in the church going forth from community, bring people into the community. And so share this podcast with people that you think could benefit from it. Be bold in evangelization. I'm Mike Gormley. I'm joined as always by Dave Van Vickle. And we want to say God bless. Thank you. And be bold. God bless. God bless.